Welcome to the Legit Lady Podcast, where we feature women who are nailing it in life. Hello, hello, Legit Lady listeners. I am your host, Julie Fetterman, and welcome back to the podcast where we feature impressive women to inspire the world. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I have to say, you guys have been pouring on the love. And not only to me directly, which obviously I really appreciate, but I've been hearing from some of my guests that I've had on the Legit Lady podcast, and they have been expressing their gratitude to me for all of the DMs and messages and other ways of communicating that you have been talking to them directly about how their stories have been touching you. And that's ultimately why I'm doing what I'm doing by hosting this podcast. And I really appreciate you giving that feedback, not only to me directly, but also to them. So thank you. I do my best to seek out really fantastic guests to feature on our podcast. And if you have any direct feedback that you'd like to share to me, and thank you already to all of the great referrals that you've been bringing in for future guests. If you're looking for an easy way to do that, feel free to send me a quick email at legitladypodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't done so already, and if you love the podcast and you've been tuning in, I keep getting all these great messages saying, yes, I know this is a great, awesome, long podcast. I have to drive from here to here on a regular basis, and it makes the time go by so quickly, which I appreciate. But you haven't done so already, please leave a quick five-star review for us on iTunes. And if you'd like to maybe not support Apple or Apple products, uh, feel free to either copy and paste or instead leave a review on Stitcher.com. Just search for Legit Lady Podcast and leave us a quick five-star review and say a couple quick words. It just helps other people find the podcast more easily. And that's ultimately what we want to do. We want to keep expanding our scope of listeners. And if you do have a few extra dollars in your pocket, or if we haven't yet had the pleasure of meeting, but you would totally love to give me a quick high five, or hypothetically, you'd love to buy me a coffee virtually, a really great way to support the podcast and keep us going with what we're doing is to buy us a virtual drink or coffee. Um, It's more or less an online tip jar, and you can go access that at ko-fi.com, so that's ko-fi.com slash legitladypodcast. Again, ko-fi.com slash legitladypodcast. I feel like someday I need to just come up with some cool jingle for that to roll off the tongue more easily, like ko-fi.com. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So what is happening in my world? Over here, summer is wrapping up. I just came back from vacation and maybe I'll do a solo cast episode to share a little bit more about all the fantabulous adventures that I got up to on vacation. But what I want to do instead of talking more about me is introduce this week's incredible legit lady. And quite frankly, (laughs) this guest is the big awesome, fantastic, fabulous, legit lady. Like every 
every instance of that word and what it means. And one big reason why is she's in politics. And not only does she identify as a queer person of color, when in the best of times that can be rather challenging, but she is a bold, outspoken leader in her political party. And just to set some context, the majority government that was voted in in this sphere of government, especially for those of you that don't live in Canada and you might not be up to date on this, is currently a very difficult, conservative, hot mess government that's actually removed a lot of needs and resources and support for people who do not sit in a super privileged upper class. So this legit lady is the co-founder of Body Confidence Canada. She's the community co-owner of the Glad Day Bookshop. And her bill, 61, which is a bill to proclaim the first week of February Eating Disorder Awareness Week, passed in its second reading with all party support. So think of all those like hardcore conservatives and things like that. That's a huge accomplishment, very impressive. Please join me in giving a very warm welcome to the new Democratic Party member of Ontario Provincial Parliament for Toronto St. Paul's, or MPP for short, Dr. Jill Andrew. Thank you so much for being here and for taking the time with me. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Very busy schedule. It is. It has been, Julie. I can imagine, <laughs> especially right now. You have the world turning around. <laughs> well, at least our environment. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, we'll definitely want to know a little bit more about that. Uh, but as you know, our uh, our process here, we're going to go and get to know you through 10 major questions okay. with some follow up in between mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. see what we can can bang out in the time that okay. we have before your next meeting. So with that, let's dive into question one. Perfect. Which is what advice would you give to your teenage self? Oh, my goodness, my teenage self. Boy, was she ever complicated <laughs> and very nuanced, you know, but uh, even with all that, she did think the world was pretty black and white, but she learned very quickly that it uh, that it isn't. Uh, the best advice I'd give my teenage self would be... <sighs> Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself, um, which I probably still am to this day. Um, I think I would also tell my teenage self that the world is a place where boundless opportunities can happen and they will happen for you too. Um, you just need to be prepared and you need to be surrounded by people who will help prepare you to mm. get there. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but those two messages, I think, are important to go together right. um, only because I think a lot of kids are told that they can be anything they want in the world. And that's what right. we want to hear as a kid. But they're not told how and they're not told about the barriers that often prevent uh, some kids more than others. I know the barriers to success, right. to, to being whole. Right. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about a time when you experienced some of those barriers or some of those challenges? Mm. Absolutely. Uh, you know, in different levels of my schooling experience, you know, I had to deal with, 
you know, systemic issues like racism and sexism. You know, um, I, I never forgot actually. Wow. Actually, wow. I haven't thought of this for many years. The course was hmm, racism in Canada, I believe, taught by Dr. Tanya Dasgupta uh, at York University, a phenomenal professor. I don't know if she's still there, but she absolutely uh, revolutionized my thinking uh, in terms of race and, uh, you know, gender politics and the whole nine. And I remember getting into this very heated debate uh, with a Caucasian student who was essentially trying to explain racism away. Oh, great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and uh, sort of uh, it degenerated into some, you know, not so parliamentary mm. uh, language and, and commentary. And I remember that experience really demonstrating for me that not only... Uh, you know, was racism, uh, not only could it be experienced through words or through actions, but that it really had a deep entrenched ideology in many people and that we have to work to address this, uh, all of us together, you know? So whether it was discrimination that I've experienced, uh, whether it was body-based discrimination that I've experienced, uh, you know, everything from being called a fat cow to, you know, uh, an effing fat black you know, B-I-T-C-H, um, you know, whether it was having doctors question my ability to to uh, to speak to how I was feeling, you know, as someone really? with chronic health issues and, you know, being told that I was hysterical or, you know, maybe you just maybe you're just doing too much. You know, you're working and you're doing a Ph.D. and you sit on this board or that board. You're just doing too much. You should just <laughs> chill and go to the kitchen and, right? and make and dinner. Exactly. Right? And I mean, not like there's <laughs> anything wrong with making dinner. I like because dinner, I, but... I personally think that, you know, uh, women who have made the choice for themselves to stay at home rock on right it is the hardest job uh the least valued job and i quite frankly think they should be getting paid <laughs> do you, do you know 100 I mean? right right um but you know those experiences have all taught me that what i feel it's a it's not just me um you know these are systems of power that operate and operate against millions of folks but we have to address them because they really do have negative consequences and you know if you're not a person you know who's able to be resilient or who has the right resources around them or knows the right people right. <laughs> or knows the right jargon in any given circumstance you know sometimes you are you're left out yes. and the consequences can be dire yeah understood talk about a roundabout answer but no but that's that's the beauty of this podcast yeah. i mean this this really helps mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and speaking about infiltrating mm -hmm. systems of power mm -hmm. well can you tell us a little bit at least in a sentence or two mm -hmm. about what you're doing right now your, your day job <laughs> uh, my day job as the mpp for toronto st paul's and the culture yeah. critic yeah because we do have some listeners yes. that don't yes. live here so mm -hmm. this will be really helpful you know um it's an interesting dichotomy because on one hand uh, we have achieved and i say we because it's never just the one mpp it's you it's your team it's your volunteers it's your families the friends it's your voters it's your constituency right mm -hmm. uh, we have achieved this title of mpp which to the 
external world. It's, you know, you've arrived. <laughs> you know, you have entered the bowels of privilege and power, right? <laughs> Here at Queen's Park. And the reality is there certainly is privilege and power that comes uh, with being at the table, you know, being one of those members in that chambers uh, who, who gets up and rises on behalf of your community and, and you speak to their needs. However, the underbelly of this experience is being in that chamber, you know, and watching when bills and motions that are dangerous to Ontarians are passed with what I believe is little regard to their emotional health, their physical health, their social health. You know, uh, today we had our NDP official opposition uh, motion where we are calling to have the environment, climate change mm -hmm. declared a eminent climate emergency, right. <laughs> which is something I think, you know, regardless of your party lines, everyone should be jumping in on, you know, uh, we had passionate debate. Uh, 20 NDP MPPs stood up in the House wow. and spoke in support of this motion, including our fantastic environment critic, Ian Arthur, for Kingston and the Islands. And I really hope that he posts his debate, uh, his, his statement. And the PC government denied the motion. They said no. So the motion lost. Right. So sitting in the house on days like this, you have to you have to find a way to pump yourself up to remember that you're still in a position of privilege and power and that even though you lose the motion, the work is still not yet done mm -hmm. and there's more work that can be done um, and working together, we will hopefully get it done. Wow. So it's it's what's it like? I mean, it's it's a great honor, for goodness sakes. Right. It's a great honor. But, um, you know, when when the government is giving each other high fives and standing ovations and, you know, laughing, you know, while members or while, you know, uh, audiences in the galleries are watching and crying and grannies are crying and parents of autistic children are crying and, you know, people are doing demonstrations in the gallery, which mm -hmm. I got to say on record, you're not allowed to do when you come to Queen's Park. You're supposed <laughs> to sit quietly and watch the debate. Right. But what really bothers me is whether it's health, whether it's environment, whether it's been education, uh, whether it's been the autism program, uh, whether it's been arts, no matter what it is, um, it's tough because the government is choosing Guess what? If they don't want to listen to the NDP, fine, don't. But we're here representing people, right? Mm -hmm. And those people have been coming out on the lawns by the tens of thousands, by the hundreds of thousands. They've been coming out all across Ontario. So not only are we speaking for ourselves, we're speaking for our constituents. So the government should listen to the people of Ontario. I agree. And, mm -hmm. and that's actually, that brings me to an interesting question mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. reflecting on is how effective... Do you think rallies and protests mm -hmm. are like at what point do they go from being more symbolic mm -hmm. to being effective? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that they are very effective because whether it's been the autism program, uh, whether it's been 
education cuts, which we know are still happening. But you know what rallies do is rallies remind people that they have a voice. Rallies remind people that they're not alone. And it also brings people in a way together where they can organize you know, you can get petitions out of a rally. Uh, you know, you can connect with your local uh, elected representative. You can do motions. You can do bills. It, it's sort of that hotbed of opportunity mm. uh, to start the conversation or to push the conversation further or to move the dial, you know, um, as some of us MPPs would say. Right. Um, look at the, you know, rally that you probably heard about it in the news. You know, um, the member for Niagara, I said Niagara. Niagara West, mm -hmm. Sam Osterhoff goes out, you know, and says, we're going to end abortion. And, I, and I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Bad rally. Yeah. <laughs> Bad rally for anyone who believes in women's autonomy, exactly. which I believe in 100%. But guess what? Because of that rally, you know, we had members in the House who were able to rise in question period and demand that Premier Ford, you know, remove himself from this. And while he didn't, he, while he did a very, you know, hogwash job at that, <laughs> what he did say is abortion would not be reopened. Right. Which is, I think, as much a win as we can ask for in this current climate. <laughs> exactly. At least what it says is what Sam is hoping for is not going to be reopened by the province. Now, now, does it mean that women in Niagara West need to be worried? Maybe. I mean, they are. He is their MPP, right? Uh, does it mean that this government has completely, um, you know, become empathetic to, to issues like uh, rape and sexual assault and gender-based violence and pay equity? I don't think so. They have a far way to go mm -hmm. on those issues. Because uh, if you look at the budget, <laughs> the fact that our rape crisis centers and our sexual assault centers, you know, are still dwindling, mm -hmm. that shows you know, their interests. Uh, if you look at the basic income program that was slashed, uh, where we know many women and marginalized people are depending on, that shows you their commitment. Uh, if we go all the way back to last year and we look at the roundtable for violence against women being slashed, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, if we look at the Indigenous Culture Fund, which is on my portfolio, and the fact that Indigenous women lost their jobs courtesy of the government's cut to the ICF, you know, there seems to be a trend here when it comes to women's issues. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's not a good one. No, it's not for this government. I had mm -hmm. one last question before going to mm -hmm. our regularly scheduled questions. Um, and, I, and that's where I'm like, I feel like we could talk for hours, but I know we're on a time crunch. Mm -hmm. um, it, in your opinion, mm -hmm. why do you see or why do you think we're seeing a trend of more conservative or say right wing leaning mm. governments that we're voting in. And I say mm. that broadly in North America, but also mm. even globally, we're starting mm. to see that mm -hmm. more and more. Any any thoughts? You know, without saying certain people's names mm -hmm. on air. You know, when we when we can no longer look to our leaders for social consciousness, we know we're in a very bad we're, we're in very bad shape and uh we can see globally internationally next door neighbors even here um there seems to be a growing appetite for 
for the narrative and the dialogue of leaders that go against human rights, that go against democracy, uh, that go against um, socially just, equitable and inclusive ways of being and ways of knowing, you know? Um, and I think that once that door opens, it really does set the stage for for people to look and go, wow, well, my premier supports this. Why can't I be even louder, right? Uh, you know, my president supports this. Why can't I be even louder, right? Mm-hmm. And in terms of being louder with negative stuff, right? right? I mean, you know, for our for our NDP caucus, I'm proud also to be a member of the first black caucus. Uh, you know, uh, the NDP is the first party in Ontario that's had enough elected black members to even form a black caucus. Woo-hoo. And uh, thank you. And, you know, of course, you know, we have our leader, Andrea Horvath, to thank for making this huge step forward uh, that no other party has had the opportunity to make uh, in our history, you know, and to be able to to be a member of a party that actually addresses anti-black racism, which is also something on the rise. And I mean, there's many different isms and phobias that we could argue are on the rise. But, you know, to be able to have a caucus formed that will address and tackle and inform and be connected to community and be informed by community to really try to work to stamp out some of these issues like anti-black racism, like racial profiling, like carding. That, by the way, have been going on quite jollily for the last 15 years in the previous government, you know, but at least here we are, you know, uh, in hopes of making a shift uh, in the next while. Right. So that's part of for me, that is that's an opportunity to look at the rise of hate and the rise of phobias and isms that, that we're seeing. But then we also have to remember the. The positive side is that some of us are still taking that as an opportunity to create new forums, to create new groups, to create new opportunities for us to address those issues, um, you know, in a systemic way. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I say that speaks to you being such a breath of fresh air, (sighs) considering everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. So thank you for all the, the hours and the work and the blood, sweat and tears that you're literally putting into making these Mm -hmm. changes bit by bit, day by day. Thank you. Thank you. Well, with that, Mm -hmm. we're going to dive into question Mm -hmm. two. (laughs) And worst case, we'll go into a speed round. So, yeah. Question two is, what's your proudest accomplishment? Oh, my gosh. You know, here's the running joke of this. And I I will say this to you because uh, my partner and I, you know, we always laugh, you know, and she always says, dear love, I wish you'd take a moment to celebrate. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So uh, now I'm sitting here and I'm like, which accomplishment should I, uh, should I mention? Uh, You know what? There have been many accomplishments. There have been many, 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 many accomplishments uh, to the fact that I I literally couldn't stand here or sit here and tell you which one has been my proudest. Uh, I think a lot of people would say becoming an MPP. Um, But to be honest with you, uh, becoming an MPP to me, uh, this is an opportunity to work with community, to advocate for community. Um, it's It's a great chapter in my life. But when I think of the proudest accomplishment, oh my gosh, geez. Well, I'll just speak to what immediately came to my mind, actually. Gosh, it could be you know, personal. In, in 2013, too. well, this is you know what I'll tell you two t- tiny ones. Cool. 2013 was it? Um, I was named the alumnus of the year at Humber College. 
Wow. Uh, you know, I received this award of distinction uh, for my working community. And I had graduated in 98 from the Child and Youth Worker Program at Lakeshore, at, at the Lakeshore campus. And why that was such a proud moment for me. And I mean, it's, it's a little plaque. I mean, you know, relatively speaking to the things that I have accomplished since. But... I have a love for Humber College and a love for Lakeshore Campus that I can never forget because, you know, I had been bullied in high school. I had had all kinds of experiences that, you know, a lot of young people have. So oh, not, yeah, unique, me too. <laughs> not unique in that sense. But Humber is where I really came into my voice. Like I, I felt acceptance. I felt belonging. You know, all of a sudden I had these cool professors who treated me like an adult. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I just came into my skin there. You know, so so to have to, to to have the opportunity of going back there all those years later to receive an award, you know, that essentially says, hey, we noticed you. We noticed you as one of our cream of the crop graduates. That was like the biggest night of my life, uh, you know, and, and seeing the banner and this and that. It, it, it was just it was amazing. Um, a personal proud accomplishment surviving, uh, you know, um, yeah, sur well, surviving. I mean, really, that's a whole, that would be a whole year's worth of interviews, uh, all the things I've survived. But, you know, my most recent survival was just being alive and, and coming out of that hospital healthy. Well, when I say healthy, alive <laughs> mm -hmm. from my, from my, uh, from my last surgery, you know, what, where what I, happened? well, I had a bowel obstruction. Yep. Oh, uh, one of many, awful. you know, but this required surgery mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's something that I live with, you know, I live with the consequences. I, you know, take daily medicines and whatnot and, you know, but I am alive. So to me, that's a proud accomplishment Absolutely. And, and, and to have been able to finish my degree, to have been able to run and, and be elected, uh, to be able to still enjoy some of my favorite meals, you know, maybe not as often as I'd like, but still, <laughs> you know, and, and to have been able to advocate for myself during that health crisis Oof. was a proud accomplishment. That is a very hard, hard yeah. thing to do. I yeah. uh, I had an, an earlier mm -hmm. interview with mm -hmm. someone who's been working for Toronto Public mm -hmm. Health um, for a long time mm -hmm. as a sexual health educator. And mm -hmm. oh my goodness, she goes at length talking about that and how challenging mm -hmm. that can be mm -hmm. having that advocacy in a hospital healthcare type setting. So Ab good absolutely. for you. Absolutely. Oh. That was a big one. Yep. Surviving and advocating for myself. And, and during the advocacy for myself, also getting to encourage others to advocate for themselves to where health is concerned. And now we're going to be advocating more than ever mm -hmm. with this uh, cut to the Toronto Public Health. Like, <laughs> oh. aye, aye, aye. Aye, 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 indeed. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm very happy that you are healthy <laughs> and able to be fighting on our behalf. Because right this, yeah, we, we have entered a very interesting era. Mm -hmm. Moving on to question mm -hmm. three. How do you balance work and life? Oh God. The cringing on your face. Question. I know, I know. I hate it because I suck, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first person to sit behind that mic okay. and say exactly that. Yeah. So don't you know, worry. The, the reality I'm gonna put it here's the blunt, honest truth. You know, whether you're an MPP, whether you're a teacher, you know, whether you're whoever, an author on self-help blah we all go on stage and we all sing this tune you know gotta have balance between work and life but the reality is we live in a very uh production 
oriented society that fetishizes productivity mm-hmm. uh, to the point where if you're not juggling 20 things, you're somehow morally less important or less, you know, of a human being than the next person. And although we know that that is all crap, all of us have internalized it to a certain level. So I hold myself to a very high standard, um, which probably means that, you know, I often may not see something as a success, you know, that my wife might, that my best friend might, that my colleague might, I may be quick to criticize or or see the errors in whatever it is I've done uh, when there may not be any, you know, but balancing work and life, you know, I think, I love my cats. I've got two fantastic cats, Josephine Baker and Dorothy Dandridge. Oh, so great for- names. Great names. <laughs> so for me, a, a good evening is just getting to like rub their tummies. That's work-life balance for me. You know, you know, catch up on Jane the Virgin, you know, if I can squeeze great in an episode, show. right? Or Criminal Mind, something mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, on the other side of things. <laughs> you know, that for me is a work-life balance. Uh, I could travel more, but, you know, time is always an issue. For travel. Um, but yeah, that that is something, you know, as I get a little older, I really do hope I can pri- I, I can prioritize travel. And I'm not talking, you know, some fancy wancy cruise around the world, but just moments where I can unplug mm-hmm. and where my brain could actually rest and uh, I can regroup. Because the truth is, it doesn't matter how cool busy looks. Uh, I know from personal experience, and many of your listeners do too, busy gets you sick and busy makes you not happy sometimes, you know, especially if you're busy juggling very heavy weighted work, like the work we're doing here, you have to have moments of happiness. Otherwise you can't sustain the ongoing busy, you know, (laughs) ridiculousness of what happens in the chambers. It's draining and you burn yourself out and you can't be the best version of yourself to do all the things that we we need you to be helping us do. So I'm going to work on it. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) More more cat time. More cat time. (laughs) I know. More cat time. Jeez. Oh, gosh. Well, I definitely empathize. And I Mm. love the way you put it, that this is a baseline that we've internalized, even though we know that it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. and, And on the flip side, we've commodified health and wellness and mental health Mm -hmm. to the uh, like total opposite side of the spectrum where if we buy a blanket if we download an app then we can fix ourselves so that's a whole whole other thing altogether. oh my goodness the hell's the self-help industry right right buy my book Uh, you'll be transformed in 10 easy steps exactly (laughs) right (laughs) all right well question four can you tell us about a difficult moment in your life? Oh boy! And I know there's one or two. Yes. I know, I know. These aren't these are not supposed to be easy ones. <laughs> difficult moment in your life. A difficult moment in your life. My goodness. Oh wow! It's funny that could have been my proudest accomplishment as well, too. You know, I'll. You know what? I'll speak to my. I will speak to my to completing my doctorate, which I did last year. Uh, wow. And I'll speak to that because, yeah, I know. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's amazing. I'll, I'll speak to that because, you know, of the kind of heinous changes that we're seeing to OSAP and, you know, the kinds of barriers that are now, you know, that even more, you know, working class, low income students and families are going to have to face to enter education. Uh, finishing my degree was no easy feat. There were many opportunities where I thought I would leave. Uh, where I thought, you know, maybe I wasn't good enough to be there. 
you know, where I thought, well, how will I cover that bit of tuition? I mean, I got scholarships, I got bursaries, but you know, you still have to, you, you know, you still end up having, you know, holes and gaps to fill too. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was finishing was difficult for me because it was probably the longest writing assignment. You know, a thesis is a few hundred pages. It was probably Small. the longest writing assignment I had had. And it was something where you had to be very vulnerable. You know, you write, you, you give it your blood, sweat and tears and you submit and you submit weekly or monthly to your supervisor or your committee members and you get back their feedback. And sometimes you're going five steps forward and 10 steps back, you know, uh. but why it was so difficult. It, actually, you know, it was difficult, but the lessons I learned coming out of that uh, was endurance. You know, I learned to be to have endurance, you know, uh, so it was very difficult to finish. Um, I didn't think I'd finish. You know, as I said, I juggled employment. I juggled health issues and crises. Um, I juggled family responsibilities. Uh, and I juggled my own mind, you know, and and the, the self-defeating imposter syndrome type things that we sometimes do to ourselves, mm -hmm. um, you know, based on, on larger sociological messages that we get in the world about what we're supposed to achieve and what we're not supposed to achieve, right? So graduating was really difficult. Oh gosh. But I got through it. How long a process was that? Oh my goodness. I think it was about seven years. Oh, I think my. it took seven years. On and off. You but know? that's that's a long time yeah, to have seven, this. I like, think yes. in your brain and, and as mm -hmm. a focus or something mm -hmm. that is not yet completed. That's yes. a process, a yes. journey on the go. Oh yes. Wow. And you remember it's on the go while mm -hmm. other things are happening in your life too, right? You know? Um, I think, you know, also goodness. The campaign was difficult, you know, the campaign was also difficult. You know, I had some moments, you know, like being on the cover of the sun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had some moments where, you know, um, I had decisions to make, you know, I could become someone that someone wanted me to be um, to to win an election or to you know, make this person down the street happy or that person down the street happy, or I could stand by my beliefs. And that's what I've done since being elected. You know, I, I stand by what I say. Um, I stand by who I am. You know, um, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and and that's difficult sometimes because, you know, I think on, on some level, you know, most of us just want to fit in, you know, we just want to belong and you know, most of us want someone to like us, like you want to be liked, you know, and sometimes our opinions, you know, go against those who we want to like us or may go against those who we like. And you have a choice and the choice is, you know, you back down and you minimize and you swallow your words if you know in your heart you're right mm -hmm. or you own them. Yep. That's difficult. And I would say mm -hmm. being able to maintain that integrity mm -hmm. in what you say and what you do, let alone in the world of politics, mm -hmm. just in normal life, that can yeah. be really challenging to oh do. Oh my goodness, yes. So yes. That's really admirable. Yeah. And you know, I mean, with this party that I'm a member of, the NDP, I feel privileged 
to be able to say that I don't think my party would ever put me in a situation where I'd have to say or do something that I fundamentally uh, didn't agree with, you know? Um, I can't say the same for the PC members. As you've seen, <laughs> some of them have already jumped ship. Right. Right. Uh, but you need to be able to, to, to be home somewhere where you can be who you are. I think that I feel that that's mm -hmm. a, a huge life lesson mm -hmm. in general, because regardless if it's whatever workplace you belong mm -hmm. to, yeah. group, club, et cetera, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I think if that's an area where you don't feel like you have that support, you have mm -hmm. that sense of belonging, then you mm -hmm. really do have to question whether it's worth your time and investment. Oh, my God. Yes, because at the end of the day, <laughs> you're here for the constituents. So if you're walking around like an empty vessel feeling, you know, why am I here? I mean, you might have that moment every now and then <laughs> after you come out of a challenging question period or a debate period. I certainly have. Right. <laughs> but, you know, uh, if this is your baseline for every day, then, you know, you got to check it out and, and, and face it yeah. and figure out what your next steps are. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. All right. So question five, mm -hmm. who or what inspires you the most? Oh, my goodness. I would say my mom. I mean, that's a, you know. Hi, mom. Yes. Hi, mom. <laughs> Cliche answer. But, you know, hardworking, often very tired, but always has that little extra to give, sometimes at her detriment which I don't necessarily co-sign on. <laughs> but the lesson being... Like a good daughter. Yeah, but the lesson being that she's always there, you know? And, um, and uh, yeah, hardworking and never gives up and tries her best to stay as positive as she can, you know, within certain circumstances that I would, you know, have to dig, dig really deep uh, to find the positivity. So that is something that I admire. And uh, yeah, and uh, I'm inspired by. Mm -hmm. Seems like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> Thank you. You're like, go on, say more <laughs> nice things. <laughs> All right, question mm -hmm. six. What is the most adventurous thing you have ever done? <laughs> well, I won't say this on air. I <laughs> so I'll go to one of my other opinions or one of my other responses. The one for public consumption. Yes. <laughs> what is one of the most? Well, I bungee jumped. That was a lot of fun. That terrifies me. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, most adventurous things you've ever done. I love karaoke, but I mean, that's so common these days. What's your go-to um, karaoke song? Oh, God. Anything Whitney Houston. Anything Celine Dion. Classic. You know. Like a good Canadian. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, right? Um, oh, my goodness. Most adventurous. Oh, God. This is this is why I need to travel more. What I would love to do, if I, if I can give you my life's dream here... I don't know if you're a Hannibal fan. Like the show or the yes, book? the movie, Hannibal. Oh, the movie, yeah, yeah. I love horrors. Mm -hmm. I love those sorts of movies. Yeah. There's a scene where, I, don't, I can't remember his name, but the, the bad guy, you know, he has a blind girlfriend and he's brought her into the veterinary's office and there is a Bengal tiger lying there about to have dental surgery and she's able to pet the tiger. <laughs> you're probably thinking oh my gosh Joel is like <laughs> no but literally that would be my most adventurous thing if I was able to like you know volunteer at a cat sanctuary like a big cat sanctuary or something like that 
You should. I would absolutely love to do that. I feel like yeah. that's totally doable. Yeah. You know, yeah, take- somewhere that, you know, is uh, all for conservation and, you know, all for ensuring that those endangered species, many of, of which are big cats, you know, are around so that generations can learn from them and see them, uh, maybe even in their natural habitat at some points, you know, I would love to do that. That would be my biggest adventure if I could oh, wave I, a magic wand. I think you totally yeah. could. I mean, you need a couple of weeks off, you know, <laughs> that might be asking a bit too much right now, but definitely, <laughs> definitely. but that's, that's amazing. I went yeah. to an elephant jungle sanctuary when I I was in um, mm. in Thailand mm. where you got an opportunity to feed mm. elephants and, oh you know, it wasn't riding or anything mm-hmm. like that. It wasn't um, animal abuse oriented, right, you right. know, that yeah. that level of tourism yeah. where they, nope. they do bad things to the animals. But it was the mm. the good kind, which was yeah. really amazing. Yeah. So I think mm. you can totally find some some version, some yes, group yes. of being able to do that. So you <laughs> should definitely so. do it. <laughs> I hope so. All right. Question seven. Mm-hmm. What do you attribute your success to? Hmm. You know, three words, uh, opportunity, um, hard work and luck. (laughs) Honest to goodness. Yeah. You can't have one without the other two. (laughs) At least it can't be sustainable. I know. I'm thinking about that right now. It can't be sustainable. And and I feel like, uh, in Mm. my life, I've had many, I've had many moments where hard work, opportunity and luck came together for me. Wow. And this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Is there another one that comes to mind? <sighs> yeah, actually. Hmm. Being an educator. Being an educator. You know, um, being an educator. Uh, being encouraged to go into education and then applying to get into education. Uh, scoring perfect on my teacher's test from way back in the day and getting in. And there was hard work, opportunity, and good luck. <laughs> I love it. I feel like you need yeah. a t-shirt with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the three words for me. Yeah. On anything, whether it was, you know, snagging a, a speaking engagement or, you know, being asked to go to Sweden to speak at a conference, which I was. And that's you so know, cool. Just really cool things have happened. But it's all, even if it seems like it's just lucky on that given day. If I look back, hey, guess what? You may be lucky in that moment, but someone recognized your hard work and then gave you the opportunity, right? I Mm -hmm. love that. I love it. I'm just yeah. picturing it. I don't know if this is saying something about me, but I'm picturing like a weird Venn diagram with like the three circles. I was too, actually. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> we'll be friends. This is great. <laughs> All right. Question eight. Mm-hmm. What item or items could you never live without? Oh, my goodness. My childhood photo albums. Really? That is, that is very, very, very quick and easy. Um, in fact, this is how anal retentive I am. I actually have one of those like fire resistant, um, you know, fire resistant, um, locked safe things. Oh. Yeah. That have them in them. I mean, that's smart. It's <laughs> smart. Yeah, yeah. I could not. Yeah. I, that's, that's the one thing I would take with me. My childhood photo albums or just my pictures, you know, like before we had these silly cell phones where nothing was printed. I've got hundreds, if not thousands of photos and I would hold on to them all for dear life. I'll probably be buried with them, Julie. (laughs) 
I mean, why not? So I can watch them, you know, in the life hereafter. It's almost like, you know, like a pharaoh, you know, yeah. you can put their, their items that they really like with them. Why right, not? Right. And then, of course, you know, a close second would be like all my accessories. <laughs> Go on. Do you have I one? I silver jewelry. Oh. I do love silver jewelry. Oh, yeah. fabulous. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, what, what items could you never live without? Yeah, I wouldn't want to live without my photos. What do they mean yeah. to you? Oh my gosh, it's 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 just it's it's the embodiment of childhood for me, uh, which was a very tumultuous and complicated time. You know, uh, gosh, now that I'm thinking, some of my biggest challenges were in childhood. You know, as a child sexual abuse survivor. Uh, and as someone who had a family, you know, or family members, at least, who certainly didn't necessarily show up <laughs> right. as they should have. You Which know? is all too common. Right. It's all too common. But those pictures, you know, some of the pictures we have, um, they just show that I still had a smile. And there was still moments of brightness and joy and hope and satisfaction, you know, and it, it just, uh, it's little me. And I just look and I think, wow, look at where she's come from to where she is now, right? Almost. So yeah, I could never, never go without my photos. It's not like I watch them every day, right. but I know that they're there whenever I need to. It's you almost know? like a like an anchor mm -hmm. grounding to Absolutely. Your, your past, your childhood, where you came from. Absolutely. Oh. Would you ever digitize them? Yeah, maybe. I'm not the time. <laughs> That's my answer for everything. I know. I'm not the time. I know. Actually, gosh, where was I? Oh my goodness. I was actually my goodness. I was actually hosting a gala uh, last year or something, an MC actually. And there was a silent auction prize to get all your photos digitized. But I didn't get around to it in time to put my name down. <laughs> so it's Sounds funny. like if someone in your life is listening to this, yeah. that would be like a really great holiday gift or yeah. birthday per present for you. <laughs> exactly. No, you're so right. Nudge, you're nudge. so right. My goodness. <laughs> all right. Question nine. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Hmm. Oh my goodness. About yourself, about what you do, anything well, else? On May 21st. This might air after that, FYI. Okay. <laughs> Screw the May 21st then. <laughs> uh, to promote. Well, I'd like to promote our address, 803 St. Clair Avenue West, uh, St. Clair and Arlington. Um, I'd like to promote our website, jillandrewmpp.ca. And I'm Jill's Last Word on Twitter and Instagram. And really, I just want to promote that, you know, to anyone who is out there listening, you know, who has ever taken an interest in politics, uh, whether as a candidate or just simply someone who wants to get more involved, get involved, reach out, connect with your riding association. You know, it doesn't matter what political party you're in. I mean, obviously, I'm going to try to uh, recruit you to the NDP, <laughs> uh, which I do believe is uh, the only party really uh, for Ontarians, you know, but... If that's not yours, it's not yours. But the point is, get involved. Get involved. So what am I promoting? I'm promoting democracy. Um, I'm promoting uh, democratic stewardship. You know, I'm promoting us using our voice, you and know? What is democratic stewardship? Oh, my goodness. That is taking democracy on the road, advocating for it, you know, raising awareness about democracy and fighting for it absolutely fighting for it and having actions uh, that show how important uh, our democracy is to our survival. Because I don't think I've ever thought as hard about democracy as I have uh, sitting in this house. 
Ooh, I have chills. I have chills. You know, and I and I think I've thought about it so much because it's been uh, at stake and abused so much uh, by this current government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I I think that's why mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. I get very fired up when people mm-hmm. are willingly apathetic mm-hmm. about politics, and it, and mm-hmm. you know people say, oh, it's just one of those things you don't talk about. Yeah. It's like you know at a dinner table yeah. conversation, oh, we don't talk about politics, religion, whatever, whatever. Yes, yes. And it's like actually now more than ever is the time yeah. to talk about yeah. this, whether it's an opportunity to educate or be educated. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so now I more agree. than ever. So yeah, I mean I promote that, and I guess I would give another shout out and plug to uh, the members of the Black Caucus, uh, NDP's official opposition Black Caucus, and uh, you know find out more, reach out to uh, my colleagues, uh, MPP Rima Burns McGowan. Uh, she's the MPP for Beaches uh, East York. Uh, we have uh, MPP Kevin Yard out in Brampton, uh, Faisal Hassan, uh, York Southwestern. I shouldn't have just said out in Brampton. Is he Brampton Center? My apologies. And uh, Laura May Lindo, who is the chair of the Black Caucus, and she is in Kitchener uh, Center. Yes. And of course, myself. Yes. Very, very mm-hmm. cool. All right, I'm going to jump to question okay. 10, mm-hmm, and then we'll see if we have yes. a couple minutes yes. to spare. I just heard her. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see how we do, but let's just try to wrap up right with on. question okay. 10 officially, mm-hmm. which is, what is a lesson you learned the hard way that hmm. you'd like to share with our listeners? Hmm. A lesson I learned the hard way. Jeez. Hmm. A lesson I've learned the hard way. The hard way, the hard way. Yeah, you know what? This is what I'll say. I won't get into all the details, but. uh, When you tell someone a secret, right? And I'm I'm trying to like philosophize, you know? (laughs) (laughs) When you tell someone a secret, um, you have to be 150% sure that you trust that person before you do so. Right. You have to be careful of what you say, um, because sometimes people do not have your best interests at heart. And, um, you know, the hardest lesson I've had to learn, it wasn't anything recent, but just, you know, in terms of interpersonal relationships and friends over the years is. um, Mean what you say, stand by what you say and be prepared to hear it. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. You know, so you really need to um, be cautious and be mindful of what you share. I think in in this day and age of oversharing and social media and this, you know, facade of real friendship, you know, with people that you've never met who simply like or retweet or share your posts, we have to be very mindful of that. And recognize that when we put ourselves out there, you know, in in this journey towards authenticity and being real, authenticity and being real has consequences. And it's okay to be, it's okay for you to have different levels of real Mm -hmm. with different people. That doesn't make you inauthentic. Uh, It doesn't make you phony. It makes you a smart human being. Mm -hmm. That's 
a really powerful point. Mm -hmm. And this is something I've personally reflected Mm -hmm. on a lot. You know, I I work for a company Mm -hmm. that tries its best to create, I say, an environment for people to be their best selves Mm -hmm. and be their authentic selves Mm -hmm. at work, as Mm -hmm. an example. Mm -hmm. But there are limitations to that. There are things that you can't say or you shouldn't be saying Mm -hmm. to certain groups of people. Mm -hmm. Because to your point, you're you don't know exactly where you might stand in that person's mind exactly. and heart. And even if what you're saying is truthful, you do stand by what you say. Mm-hmm. There are times when it's not necessarily the smartest decision. So I, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. That's going to give me a lot to chew on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Oh, it's true. Gosh. And I mean, and the caveat to that as mm-hmm. well, as I may just say, yeah. is, you know, you don't want to stifle yourself to a place where you're not yourself. Exactly. And I think, you know, coming into this public role, you know, I was told all the usual, don't wear your heart on the sleeve. You know, I hope they if- sounded like that. too. <laughs> You know, don't wear your heart on your sleeve. You know, you've got to have your personal MPP and your public MPP, all these personas and, you know, respectability politics and all of this, you know. But the reality is um, I show up as me, Uh, whether that's raw one day, unfinished the other or very well finished. I show up as me. Right. But even showing up as me, I can still take control and take responsibility for how much of me shows up. That's true. You know, I, I was actually going to mm-hmm. ask if we had a minute mm-hmm. um, about how politics mm-hmm. affects your personal life as, you know, that's you the, the, eye yeah, the eye roll, the eyes just like <laughs> flipped over because I've, I've heard it can feel like a panopticon. Oh my gosh. It certainly can. It, it absolutely can because, you know, first of all, you've got a whole lot more friends. In quotes, <laughs> air quotes, air quotes. Yeah, air quotes. <laughs> you know, tons more friends, you know, people who wouldn't have known your name the day before the election, you know, or certainly wouldn't be contacting you the day before the election, right? Um, you know, uh, but again, it comes down to knowing your boundaries and um, knowing who your small circle is. And that's the circle. You know, I had a a former politician be very frank with me. Jill, you're a social butterfly. You know, uh, people are going to gravitate to you. You're going to gravitate to people. Um, But you can't suck yourself dry or allow anybody else to. So you got to have your small circle friends who you knew before June 7th. Mm -hmm. And then there's everyone else. So you can care. You can be an advocate. You can engage. And you will have new friendships Uh, in this role. And I have found new friendships. There's some MPPs here who I feel like even if I walked out the building tomorrow, I'd have friends with them. I'd be friends with them for life, you know, but you have to be able to tell the difference between the forest and the trees. Yeah. Well, and it must be so Mm -hmm. also equally important to have friends who are in a same kind of line of work as you do, who who understand Mm -hmm. the very specific niche things that you're dealing with every single day. Well, you know, what's interesting. Most of my, my closest friends are not in politics Mm -hmm. and that is the way that it'll stay. I was going to say, that's probably a good thing. (laughs) That is the way it'll stay. Uh, They are very political people. My closest friends are very political people. Uh, They represent every single group uh, that this government has, you know, annihilated with cuts. Um, 
You know, they are hard workers, they're health workers, they're education workers, they're human rights workers, they're, uh, you know, women's issues workers, they're LGBT folks, they're artists. So I have a lot of frontline friends, let's put it that way. But when we get together, uh, we get together to talk about us. Yep. And that's what matters, you know, in that moment. It's us. It's our families. It's who has kids and the kids and the pets and the partners and, you know, our aging parents, you know. Um, yeah. And fun and just good old fashioned fun. But what I can tell you we don't do is drink at nine in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Mic drop. Mic drop. I know. Well. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, with the work that you do and the things that you see and hear, I, I, I would be certainly encouraged to drink at 9 a.m. in the morning. So with that, Jill, thank you so much you. for sharing all of this. This is really insightful and really powerful work. You're a rock star. Keep mm. fighting the good fight for us. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Find us on Facebook at Legit Lady Podcast. That's L-E-G-I-T-L-A-D-Y Podcast. And on Instagram at Legit Lady Podcast. On Twitter at Legit Lady Pod. That's Legit Lady P-O-D. And please rate and comment on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcast. If you love what you hear, share it broadly and proudly. Thanks, everyone. 